0: Hey, Highland, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. My name is Matt Pinson, and with me, uh, as always, on the podcast is
1: me, David Sessions.
0: He got it. And uh, David, we've been doing this podcast now for nine months, we just realized. Um, and we. S- it's been like carrying a baby. It has been. It's, we're a full term podcast. <laughs> Just kicked the microphone. <clears throat> um and when we started this podcast, we we were talking a lot about deconstruction. Walk us through a little bit by why we thought that was important.
1: Well, um And it, still think it's important. Yeah. I mean one, this isn't I think even the driving reason for me, but one, it was a hot topic. I feel and f- I felt like and still feel like it's a topic that's widely misunderstood. <laughs> Um, by people who are both proponents and um not proponents uh opponents opponents of it there you go (laughs) and uh it is an actual thing there there is an actual definition for i don't have it in front of me but it's something along the lines of of you know taking down what was uh, assumed and for me, I've said all along, that sounds a lot like what has to happen for someone's faith to go from inherited to shared to owned faith. You have to break down some of the house, some of the foundation to build it back up. From that point of view, it's a very healthy thing to do. But ironically, church is that place, unfortunately, sometimes, I don't think Highland is this way, but sometimes church is that place where someone in the middle of deconstruction, which is a very healthy thing, can't talk to anybody about it. Um, because for a variety of reasons, I don't know. Uh, it's the exact place that they must talk about mm-hmm. those things, is where they must ask those deeper questions. Yeah,
0: it might be seen as dangerous or uh, unwelcome in some ways, mm-hmm. and and part of that is probably there's there's a lot of definitions of deconstruction that people might be carrying mm-hmm. around with them. Um, you know, you see on social media, people uh, deconstruction might mean here's all the ways that I think this is ridiculous. And I, right. and you know, um, I first heard about deconstruction from hearing Richard Rohr on a podcast, talk about mm-hmm. deconstruction and it was always paired with reconstruction.
1: He's really clear about that. Yeah. And I think we've borrowed that a lot. And because, uh, there's kind of this false belief that if I'm tearing something down, I'm not simultaneously building something in its place. Um, even the belief of nothing is a strong faith in something. Mm mm-hmm. Uh, And so you're always reconstructing your world at the same time.
0: Yeah. So we we, uh, wanted to hear people's stories. And we got to talk to several people uh, about their journey through deconstruction. And uh, I found them really helpful. and, And if you haven't listened to any of those podcasts that we did at the beginning, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them.
1: And we wanted to create a space where people could do the reconstruction well. Sure. And in, in in a safe place. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we like you know accomplish that for the whole church, but we also wanted to show Highland at large that these conversations can happen here.
0: Yeah, destigmatize it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and there's there's always seems to be kind of an interior panic when those kind of questions come up, yeah. as they naturally will with everyone. Mm-hmm. That. They're putting, you know, if I'm having these questions about my faith and about God and about who God is Mm -hmm. and about if God's there, that in those moments you have to make a choice about Mm -hmm. the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, I'm in or I'm out right now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And we wanted our conversation to just, if nothing else, to say that's not the case. Like, everybody walks through these seasons, and we can do them together in a healthier way.
1: Yeah. And there's ways to do that. What's full of dirty pain. Cause I think, I think pain often brings people to deconstruction sometimes. Um, but there's a better way where it's kind of some clean pain mm-hmm. and that conversation is happening. I think a lot of people who are deconstructing their faith and just kind of, um, tearing it all down. They, they're, they're more hurt than they are, um, checking their beliefs mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah. But there's maybe a a non-awareness of I'm burning all this down because I'm so hurt. Maybe at people, not so much at God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things we found is that a lot of times people weren't asking who God is, but is the church for real?
1: Right. Do they actually believe what they say they believe? Yeah.
0: And, uh, And that's a tough question sometimes to look at, you know, there's plenty of examples of churches not being the kind of place that we would want them to be. Right. Um, Luckily we're at Highland who is perfect. Yeah. Uh, It's not perfect, but we, like we've said many times, it's, it's good to work at a church that we would choose to go to. Yeah.
1: Here's Highland's not perfect, but here's what Highland Highland is generous. Yeah. They're generous uh, financially. They're generous uh, with conversations and there are, Uh, This is one thing I've I've particularly loved about our older generations is they create space for young people to wonder. Yeah. And that is so healthy.
0: It's very healthy. Um, But one of the questions that came out of those discussions that we found pretty consistently was um, wondering how do we talk to God and what happens when we try to talk to God, what happens when it feels like God's not listening? What happens when we feel like we want something good and God is not Mm -hmm. on the same page as we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that as we kind of concluded our talking about deconstruction, we pivoted towards what is prayer. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about those conversations. They were great. I agree. Next.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know I, I'm still uh, stewing on things that's, Mike Cope and um, Randy Harris and David Ray said, um, you should go back and listen to them.
0: Yeah, if you haven't listened to those conversations with Mike and Randy and David Ray, they are powerful. I mean, yeah, I don't know another way to describe them. Um, what was what was one of your big takeaways from the conversation with Mike?
1: Big takeaways of the conversation with Mike, I think one thing he said really kind of ref, uh, could... Could be a good synopsis for those conversations, which is um prayer is going from um, talking to God to being with God, and then evolving out of that uh, a Christian or church can go from being for their neighbors to being with their neighbors right. and you know that that really um, mimics. The life of Christ, who was here on earth with us, but also when when he went to go pray, he went to go be with his father and and that changed the whole world and i'm I'm still thinking about like life of prayer as with God, with neighbor. Um, that it in some ways it really complicates the life of a Christian, but in other ways, conceptually really yeah. clarifies it.
0: With Randy, one of the things that I keep thinking about, I keep going back to was we talked about kind of the expanding rings of prayer, yeah, like starting with praying other people's words, mm-hmm. um yeah, whether it's now, "I lay me down to sleep or whatever simple prayers you might pray as a child, yeah, or uh even the words of Christians who have gone before us, mm-hmm. and then expanding that to include your own words, and how yeah. that's how important it is and powerful is that our voice is good enough for God yeah, and that uh, we can communicate um, with God in that way and then expanding the ring to to listening to God Mm -hmm. where you're not talking at all, you're listening to God. And one of the things that sticks out to me that he said so much, we talked about it on that podcast, is that Randy Harris, who is a man who is – Really dedicated his life to the study of scripture mm-hmm. to the study of uh prayer and training ministers when he went to really learn intensively how to listen to God mm-hmm. or listen for God, the emotion that he felt the most was fear mm-hmm. he was He was terrified that either God was not going to say anything or that God was going to say something,
1: yeah, another one was going to be both of them were problematic, both
0: of them were scary
1: yeah
0: yeah and uh I, I have gone back and listened to that podcast yeah. several, several times because it's f- so full of wisdom from yeah. Randy. Yeah. Tell me about what, what about David Ray before we move on?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, David Ray, who has been formational for me for a long time, talked, he, he referenced Randy. And he's like, you know, Randy's so contemplative and I, I my brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he, he actually brought a, a prayer book for us and it's prayers of the, of the saints um, uh, Gregory of Nyssa and, and Basil. And I mean, and, and he just said, you know, he, he praised these prayers. And um, that was also good for me to hear that, you know, if we kind of think about prayer in these concentric circles, um, the larger circles aren't better. Yeah. They're just deeper understandings of they're they're more expanded understandings of God and a spiritual giant in my life like David Ray is like, yeah, it's really good for me to pray other people's prayers. Yeah. And and sometimes those words pray me. Right. And that's just really beautiful for me. Um I think a big takeaway from all three of them is like do it. Do it. <laughs> pray. Yeah. Come to prayer.
0: And that uh how important it is that that we take the time to listen. Yeah. It feels like such a Sometimes it feels like a waste. Like I should be doing something different with mm-hmm. my time. But man, that in my in my seasons of deconstruction and reconstruction, sometimes those are the only things that I I can do. Yeah. Um and it's a and the, it's important to to keep trying. Yeah. The other thing that David Ray talked about that I've thought a lot about was that uh, ecology of yeah. spirituality. Was that what it was called? Mm-hmm. Yep. And just that idea of like how we create an environment, how we do this life together, yeah. how we follow Jesus as a group.
1: That's uh, organic, and it needs to be tended. Yeah. And uh, and yet,
0: we grew up with such. An individualistic spirit about yeah. our personal relationship with Jesus and that it's nobody else's business and that yeah we need to have our quiet time and if we do that then, and those things are good things. yeah, but we lose something when we're not doing it together
1: yeah well and and prayer as um, uh, ecology of metaphor works so well because um, the garden needs to be tended. like you're saying it needs to be tended by the people, not the person. Mm. Um, but no matter how many, how well you tend it, God's going to make it grow. Yeah. And, um, it, for me, prayer not being something I try hard to do and maybe I'll make God happy, uh, and, and moving it more towards showing up and God joins me and God's with me, uh, is so much more life giving. than, Um, I'm going to say this because I should, and I'm going to say it the right way. And um, and I don't really know what's happening on the other side of it.
0: Yeah. And then uh, our staff was blessed or lucky, whatever word you like to use, to get to have uh, Andrew Root, who's a noted author. I can't name any of the books that he's written. I'm sure David can. (laughs) Um, Come and do kind of a staff development session with us. Uh, For a few hours, one day.
1: Yeah. And that's going to, that that sparked our imaginations to, to segue into something new with the podcast, which is kind of where we're going now.
0: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what Andrew talked to us about.
1: So the last couple of years, Andrew Root has been writing about uh, actually another book. Which is a really, really big book that you do not need to go read to understand this. Uh, some said it's it's by Charles Taylor and it's called the Secular Age. And some people have said it's the first book written in the twenty-first century, twentieth century that we're going to continue talking about in the twenty-first century. Or maybe it was the tw- it was written in the twenty-first century. We're still going to be talking about in the twenty-second century. Either way, it's a really important book of philosophy about what is going on in Western culture religiously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's kind of what you need to know. Uh, Root has been writing about Taylor for the last couple of years. What Root is particularly interested in regarding the secular age, Richard Beck also wrote uh, Chasing Magic Eels, and it's very similar uh, to this theme of, of disenchantment um, and what Beck is calling disenchantments. Uh, Root and Taylor are calling the secular age. And um, here's here's what's Root's really interested in regarding taylor and it's a simple question why does ministry feel so hard right now and um it was really great as a staff to have a expert theologian writer uh, come in and say that question because we all go yeah we we live that question ministry is hard right now matt and i talk all the time about how much we love working at highland and we do and it's hard and confusing and disorienting Mm -hmm. often and what root is going to say is that the primary reason uh, ministry feels so hard right now is because we live in a secular age. I like to think of the simplest understanding possible because I'm really not very smart. And so I want us to think about a Pixar movie called... Onward. Onward. Matt, when we were getting ready for this, I kept saying Overboard, which is (laughs) a... (laughs) Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn. Yeah. I think, I think that's uh, right. comedy it was
0: recently remade, but I can't tell you who. Okay. Was on that one.
1: It's not overboard. It's onward, the Pixar movie and the setting of onward is, um, dragons and, and, and wizards and all the magical things that you could ever think of in, in fantasy stories. Uh, but fast forward to the 21st century and, uh, now dragons are like dogs for pets and, uh, there are wizards, but they don't know any magic and it's all kind of like
0: they've all kind of grown out of their magic. They've
1: grown out of their magic and the whole point of the, uh, onward onward, uh, movie is, uh, two brothers who are rediscovering magic, that they're actually magicians that they actually can do magic and actually the world's still enchanted. I don't know if the people at Pixar were reading Charles Taylor, but it is (laughs) a spot on interpretation of how the world was, the world used to believe in enchantment, um, that God enchanted the world and that if things were going to be, it was going to be because a higher power was making them happen. <laughs> and we've gone through several different, um, the right word is not like we've got grown out of that because I don't think it's progress, um, but it's really hard for Christians at Highland to believe when we take communion that the wafer and the grape juice actually become Jesus's body and yeah. blood, but it didn't used to be. Right. People were actually, and Ruth talked about this with us, people were afraid of taking the communion elements because what if they dropped the body of Jesus? Right. And what if they, like, what if they had been sinful that week and the blood of Jesus entered them and it burned them alive? This was an actual concern people would have yeah. in the enchanted world. And it's it's neutral, right? It's neither good nor bad because I'm glad we don't fear that anymore. I'm right. glad that communion is a life-giving thing. But it might also be a little bit better if we actually believed the elements we were taking were holy and not just symbolic Yeah. because the gospel is not symbolic. And for God to really be with us, I think we really need those communion elements to really become God. And that sounds crazy, Yeah. but this is, this is what root and my dumb, um, let me think of an animated movie to explain it sort of way. This is kind of, I think, at the core of secular age, non-secular age, enchantment, disenchantment. We've grown from some of those enchanted places, and that's a good thing. We've grown from some of those enchanted places, and that's a bad thing.
0: Yeah. There was a time where, where God was moving in everything. Yeah. In the, and that there was, there was a fear of coming into contact with that. Right. With that power. And today that seems silly, right to think that uh, when i when I eat this cracker, it's going to turn into an actual physical body, right and it might burn me from the inside right. But you also miss the places where God is moving,
1: right? Because we don't need to worship. A historical God, right? A historical Jesus can't save us. Yeah. Um, we don't want the the Holy Spirit's gifting and inspiration and goodness to be just for those at Pentecost. We we want that to be true for us today too. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of in this like purgatory space of we have scientific minds. And that's a good thing. We are pro science because science brought us insulin yeah. and antibiotics. <laughs> right. And, um, and, and, and progress is a neutral thing too. It's, yeah. it's neither good nor bad. It just is. Yeah, we
0: would say like science, the physical world right. is a gift.
1: It's a huge gift. And yet a purely a world that is only understood um, outside of mystery. hmm <laughs> cannot hold space for God comes to be with us at communion. Yeah. And not just that, God actually saves my body and my soul. Right. Because if it's all just metaphorical, if it's all just fantasy, then I I don't really have much hope for my future. I don't really have much hope for my current.
0: Right. And Ruth talked to us about holding both of those things. Yeah. How do, how do we have scientific minds right? How do we think critically about things and how do we leave room for a mystery? And right for an unexplainable phenomenon
1: right and and I think it's just so unwise to just take either one of those mm-hmm. and hold them up against the other like science is good yeah. <laughs> Science has brought us a lot of things that we like, uh, but science, science, you know, by its own, um, definitions only seeks to talk about what's definable, yeah. what you can see, taste, smell hear, observe, right. It's, it's, it's the study of the observable world. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I don't know many scientists <laughs> if I'm being honest, but I would hope, a really honest scientist would, would be really clear about and there's things that we still are learning to observe
0: yeah
1: there's mystery all around us right and so I think one thing that Root talked about that really captured our imaginations was do we ever ask people about the mystery of their lives
0: yeah
1: or are we trying to live a disenchanted faith mm-hmm. which is oxymoronic right uh, faith is believing in things you cannot see yeah According to Hebrews. And so like faith is interested in the things that cannot be observed. Right. And so science and faith are just after different things.
0: Yeah. And sometimes we are closed off to um I don't know what the enchantment. Yeah. Miraculous things. Mm-hmm. Unexplainable things. Mm-hmm. But that um the rest of the world also, is experiencing things that can't be explained, yeah, and are looking for a place to put that. Totally, totally. And so that in some ways we're meeting. Yeah, there's a there's a point where we can meet each other.
1: Right. You know, we, it, it, at the same time that uh, the predominantly white church in the West is declining, um, we find people are willing to believe in supernatural things all the time. Mm-hmm. I think the role of the church is to come along and say, "We believe that's God."
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, It used to be that, you know, we didn't understand weather systems, right? And and so uh, if God loved us, it would rain. Yeah. And now it's kind of like we kind of can't believe that because we can see the clouds forming.
0: We understand high pressure systems. A thousand miles away. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, but. there are still these places in life where we have not been able to define the aches and the pains and the hopes that we all have. And I think the church comes along and says, we have good news for that.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that we talked about that he said that I loved so much was that every person that he talks to and asks, Mm -hmm. have you, have you ever had God speak to you? Yeah. Have you ever heard from God? They would say, "No, and I don't trust people who say mm-hmm. they hear from God, and I don't think that that's I think that that's ridiculous and um and no, uh except for this one time, except for
1: this one time except, there was this yeah. one
0: thing that happened. I've never told anybody this, yeah, and he was like, and every person, and I thought, yeah, i've got I can think of that, yeah, and everybody in the room was kind of like, "Oh yeah, yeah yeah, that's, yeah, that's true, yeah." And so we thought, I think at the same time.
1: That's a podcast.
0: I want to hear those stories. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the next chapter for the podcast.
1: Yeah, because the way... Look, we're not just after like uh, re-enchantment in and of itself. Yeah. We are after the good news.
0: Those stories where... <coughs> where a th- God creates a thin space, and we yeah. feel his presence his prompting, and we do it, or somebody else does it, and we benefit yeah. from that, yeah, those stories are good news,
1: yeah, and it really helps us kind of break through this um, thick layer of of i don't want to say doubt because sometimes I think doubt's essential to faith, but this thick layer of cynicism yeah where nothing good can break through because that's like what the heart of the gospel is, is is good news and hope yeah. breaking through those tough places. And how else are we ever going to hear those if we don't talk about the stories when people in our lives said, I actually saw God move and I can't explain it, yeah. but this is what happened and I'm still wrestling with it. And I think it's funny. It'll be interesting how we talk about this because I think the harder it is for someone to explain what happened, maybe like the more we can actually trust it, you know, because it's going to be mysterious.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to welcome that mystery. Yeah. And, um, and, and when we talk about these stories, when we talk about our stories and how God has met us in places that we can't explain, those stories are good news, and that telling those good news stories is evangelism. Yes, is um,
1: repeating the good news of what God has. I done. can
0: tell you, you know, we can quote scripture to somebody, but if they don't believe that the Bible is real, yeah, what difference does it make? But if you can say, "Listen, this happened to me," yeah, and I don't do do with this what you will, yeah, this is what happened to me.
1: Yeah, I'm going to choose to call that God.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: I think you nailed it. Uh, So, so we're after people telling these stories and it's going to take, I mean, everybody we've invited on here has been vulnerable to share who they are and their story, but these stories are going to take vulnerability because I think, you know, like Matt said, we're after the stories where people are like, I don't believe this. When people talk about God said this or that to me, I don't really trust them, but there was this one time, there
0: was one thing that happened. <laughs> and that's
1: going to take courage for them to share. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, as we said earlier, Highland's a generous place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, i i want us to keep being that place that just repeats, uh, you know, the, the repeating testimony of the old and new Testament is that God is the subject of action verbs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's a Walter Brueggemannism, uh, that, that God did not just create the world, but God creates the world every day. And recreates the world every day and that jesus didn't save us jesus continues to save us and calls to reconciliation and salvation we participate in our ongoing salvation and so we would think that there would be stories that would rise up from that
0: and according to randy um, the more that we kind of tune our yeah. hearts to be available to those stories to believe that that those things happen the more we're going to start Seeing and hearing from God. Yep. Um, I forget what it is exactly he said. That's like if you don't, if you don't ever listen to God, how can you say, "I never hear from Him"?
1: Yeah. It's
0: like, yeah, of course not. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how could you?
1: Right. You know, and the, the easy metaphor there is any friendship or marriage or, or relationship of any kind. Of you know, I, I don't really ever, really ever hear talk God talk to me. I'm like, did you ever? invite them to did you ever invite your friend to speak did you ever stop talking to yeah. hear your friend speak and and you know there's yeah you're right uh we we are trying to tune our ears and train our ears to uh in our eyes to hear and to see what god's still doing
0: mm-hmm. and the more we do that the more enchanted the world becomes
1: or the is the world good news to it already enchanted
0: the more we yeah our our able to see it i guess
1: you know what it's just like it's just like that movie onward
0: have you seen that movie
1: where it's actually enchanted the whole time
0: <laughs> Boom. so we might ask you to come on and share your story we might ask you to come and share that one thing that happened that you can't explain that one time that that one time that god did talk to you
1: yeah and uh And we hope you do it. We hope you do it. You should say yes. Let's all be vulnerable together.